You're listening to a message from Gateway Church Geelong. We hope it blesses you. For more information about Gateway, visit gc.org.au. Good morning, my friends. The title of my message this morning is Mission Possible. Love God, love people. And you know, unlike the movie where it's Mission Impossible, this is a Mission Possible. And you know, as we start this morning, Holy Spirit has really been speaking to me um, and challenging me in this area of mission and loving God and loving people. And, and my encouragement to you this morning is that He'll do the same for you. You know, on Pentecost Sunday, we remember how Holy Spirit was outpoured on the early church. But do you know what? He's still working in our lives today. So as we open this morning, I want to pray that Holy Spirit will speak to each of our hearts, that God will speak to you individually in a way that only He can, speaking His truth, bringing His revelation. So let's start in prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank You that You are so committed to refining us, to growing us and to making us more like You. And Holy Spirit, we just say You are welcome in this place, that You would speak to hearts as only You can, that You will bring revelation of truth, that You will stir us, that You will spur us on and You will encourage us as only You can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So recently I was at a friend's house and we were having a board game night and we got to play a new game. This game was called Magic Maze. So in this game, we had these different characters that we had to get out of this maze and we all had to work collaboratively. So it was one of those cooperative board games where we had to work together to complete the mission. Although we had to work together, we each had these little cards that had an arrow on it pointing in a different direction, which meant each person could only move a character in a particular direction. So it was a little bit intense because you were kind of like, uh, I can't move until they move down. I can't move left until they move right. I can't move up until they move right. I can't transport in the portal until they do their job. So each of us had to work together, but we also had our own individual role to play. So it's pretty intense, but it was also super rewarding because we had a, a sand timer that determined how much time you had to complete the mission. So it was also time adding to that level of intensity and a bit of excitement. But it was very rewarding at the end when we got to the end of mission and all four characters were able to escape the shopping mall. All in a busy day of work, escaping the shopping mall. But, you know, reflecting on this game reminded me how any sort of mission, any sort of task, any sort of job might work. See, a mission is defined as a specific task with which a person or a group is charged, a pre-established and often self-imposed objective or purpose. So in a mission, there's a common goal. You're working towards, as a group, something that you're working towards, an objective or purpose, like it says in the definition. But like in that game, each of us had a card. Each of us had a role to play within that mission. Just like we had different cards in that game, each of us, in different seasons of life, have a different role to play in the missions that we have. Friends, as followers of Jesus, we too have a mission. Jesus gave us a mission before He left the earth, the Great Commission. We see this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus came and told His disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gave us a mission to make disciples and teach disciples. But what actually is a disciple? See, the Bible dictionary says a disciple is one who is learning, a pupil or a scholar in following the ways of Jesus. 
one who is believing his principles or growing in believing his principles, one who imitates how he lives. Sounds a bit like us, doesn't it, friends? That you and I are learning and growing in being followers of Jesus, in being his disciples. We believe in his principles, we try to live as he did, and we have a mission to show others what Jesus is like through the way we act, through the way we speak, through the way we behave, to show those around us the abundant life that He has for us as followers of Him, to give other people the opportunity too, to learn to follow Him, to know Him. We have a mission, my friends, a mission that is possible. But what does this outworking of this mission look like? Like, what does that actually mean for us in our everyday life? See, there's so many ways we can outwork this mission. And for the longest time, I was like, oh yeah, you know, mission is like a missionary, you know, the marigolds of the world who go overseas or go to different places and minister to people and share the love of Jesus and do community development and do mission work. Like, that definitely is a part of mission. But that's not all it is. You and I, each and every one of us are called to mission. You know, as a church, making disciples, growing disciples has involved putting in courses like Alpha, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, so we can grow together as disciples. Within our serving teams, it is involved caring for, developing, growing people within our teams so that we can see strong, healthy disciples develop. But friends, like I said, you and I also have a role in the mission. We are on this journey of learning to follow Jesus, of learning to be more like Jesus and display that to others. We too have a mission field. So what could be your mission field? What is your role in the mission? Maybe your primary mission is your family. Maybe it's supporting your spouse. Maybe it's caring for your children. Your family could be your mission field. Maybe it's encouraging your siblings. In your workplace, maybe it's being that positive influence in a culture that's not always positive, in a culture that's not always life-giving, that you can be that voice of Jesus' love. Maybe in your local sports, sports club, your local gym, your university, your school, that you are someone who loves people well. Maybe in your friendship group, that you're encouraging people, building them up, strengthening what they do. Maybe it's here at church where you build a relationship with those around you. But also you see the new person who has been brave, who has been courageous to come for the first time. Maybe your mission field is reaching out to them, inviting them to sit with you, having a coffee with them after the service. Friends, whatever it may look like, we all have this unique and amazing role to play in the mission that God has given us. Our mission and our heart here at Gateway is up on the board. Relationship with God, grace to all. And our mission statement that you can see on our website or out in the foyer says this, we exist to care for our community and connect every individual and their families to God, to see all loved, reached, included and restored, that all would have opportunity, all would have opportunity for relationship with God, and know God's grace to all. What a powerful mission. You know, and our mission and our heart here at Gateway reflects Jesus' words in the greatest commandment. We see this in Matthew chapter 22. 
verses 37 to 39. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. So we see here Jesus says two things. Love God, relationship with God. Love people, extending grace to all. Great statements, powerful statements. But again, what does this actually look like in our lives? How do we love God and how do we love people? So let's first look at loving God. And then a famous story in the Bible that Jesus tells about illustrating, illustrating how to love people well. So love God, our relationship with God. Seems like a really simple statement, right? Like, oh, love God. Yeah, it's really simple. But let's be honest, it's an ongoing journey. See, the reality is we don't just wake up one morning and say, oh, I love you, God. I'm so in love with you. And when we first become a follower of Jesus, we aren't necessarily like what this scripture says, that I love you with all my heart, soul and mind. Like any relationship, it takes time. But my friend, can I encourage you? It starts with knowing and learning how much He loves you and I. In 1 John 4, 9 to 10, it says, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, we heard about this in communion, that how much God loves us, how much if you were the only person here on the world, earth, he still would have sent Jesus because that's how great his love is for you. See, the Greek word here for loved that's used multiple times is agapeo, which can be translated to mean to love dearly, to have regard for the welfare of, to value above all things, to be unwilling to do without. My friend, that's God's heart for you. God loves you greatly. He's unwilling to do without you. He values you above all things. He has great regard for your welfare. He cares for you deeply. My friends, you and I are so loved by God. And this love isn't based on anything we've done. It isn't based on what we deserve or what we don't deserve. But it's unconditional, unmerited, undeserved, yet freely given for you and I. So I encourage you to rest in that, to know that, because that's your first step in in growing and loving Him, knowing how much He first loved you. But you know, growing and loving God also involves getting to know God. If I compare any relationship that we have in a human relationship, when you, when you start a new relationship, you want to get to know the person. You know, there's a bit of an excitement. You, you think about them. You wonder what they're doing. You want to find out what they're about. You want to find out everything about them. You look forward to seeing them. Similarly, we can get to know God. Talk to him in prayer. Talk to others about him who maybe are further along the journey. Find out what he's like, what their experience of him is like. Ask him what he's like. Ask him to show you who he is to you. Find out about him through the Bible. Allow him to show you how much he cares for you. And like any journey of growing in a relationship, you start to get to know them. You start to know who they are. You know their desires, their heart, your heart starts to align what they care about. And over time, that relationship grows and you get to know God. So can I encourage you, my friend, get to know God. Learning to love God is a journey. And this journey of growing and loving God is something that I'm on and I continue to be on. 
See, because if I'm, if I'm being completely honest, like doing what I'm doing today, being a pastor, you know, working, working part-time at my job, but being a pastor here is not really the trajectory that I thought my life would go in. Be completely honest with you here, um, especially with the society that I grew up in, um, that placed a lot of emphasis on success, achievement, you know, what you did in life, what your career, like climbing the corporate ladder, all those kind of things that, you know, that's what was placed great value on. So doing what I do kind of not, it's not a negative thing, but it's probably not optimizing the success you can achieve in life. And, you know, as I've grown in my relationship with God, as I've gotten to know God, there's definitely been that journey of, of grief and loss and understanding that, that, yeah, wow, my life isn't actually going to be what maybe the expectation of my extended family might be on me. That, that's actually not gonna, what it's, what it's going to look like. But, you know, today I can say wholeheartedly that I live a full and abundant life. That, you know, there's nothing that I say that, that like, oh, you know, I, I should have done that, wish I'd done that. Because I know who my God is and I know his goodness to me. And, you know, I can wholeheartedly echo what Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 8, that nothing compares to the infinite value of knowing Christ. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't arrive here overnight. It's not like I was like, oh, yeah, nothing compares to it. But it was little by little, day by day, a journey. There was questions there was uncertainties, there was many emotions, many, many emotions. But here I am today, wholehearted and assured that I will not give up on my relationship with God because it's infinitely more valuable to me than anything, infinitely more valuable than anything, and I will not give it up. And that's my encouragement to you, my friends, that loving God is a journey. See, it's not unique to me. Your relationship with God is unique to you. He will meet you where you're at. He will meet you what you need. He will meet you wherever you are. And you know, as I was preparing, that was something that was really on my heart, that there's a few people, there's people here who, you know, you're kind of like, I'm actually not sure if this is for me. Like, I kind of come along, but I don't actually know if I believe. I don't actually know if this getting to know God is, is for me. But you know, in Luke chapter 7, I think it is, it talks about keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking when it talks about prayer. And that's God's word for you this morning if that's the questions you have. If you're a bit unsure, hey, that's okay. God knows where you are. God knows where you're at. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. He will meet you where you are. Your relationship with God will look unique because he knows you better than anyone does. So friends, let's get to know God for ourselves. Discover who he is what he's about, and who you are to him. Part one of Mission Possible, love God, tick. But our mission is twofold, love God, love people. So as we go in relationship with God and loving God, our response is that we can then love others well. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Knowing his love, we can then love others. Knowing his love, we too can love people. But what does it look like to love people? What does it look like to love people well? How do we do this practically in our lives? Well, let's look at one of the most famous parables in the Bible that Jesus told, the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is a really good illustration that Jesus tells about loving people well. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 37, if you're following along in your Bibles. Jesus replied with the story, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. 
by chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. What a great story. What an interesting story. See, to paint some context, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a well-known road for traveling. Jesus uses this illustration because people knew the road. Jerusalem is approximately 3,000 feet above sea level, whereas Jericho is approximately 1,000 feet below sea level. So there's a difference in the, in the, uh, the depth you've got to travel. So the road was downhill, traveling through crevices, big rocks, and caves. It was a well-known road that people traveled on, and it was well-known for ambushes because of all the hiding places and crevices, which is what we see happens to this Jewish man. The priest and temple system saw him, but they kept walking by, whereas the Samaritans stopped to help. So what can we learn from this story? How does it apply to you and I today? Friends, loving people well involves choosing people over task. See, all the individuals, the priests, the temple assistant and the Samaritan, were also on the road to go somewhere. See, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho wasn't a road you took for a casual stroll. They weren't out for their morning walk or the evening walk for exercise. They were going from one place to other. They were on task. The first two men saw the Jewish man who was beaten up, but they passed him by. They stayed on task. The Samaritan was also going somewhere, but he stopped. He felt compassion and, it, and helped him. So what does it mean for you and I? I can speak for myself. I know sometimes I get caught up in task, getting so caught up in task that I forget about the people. Or perhaps sometimes I see the people, but it's a little bit uncomfortable to deal with it. So I just keep walking and stay on task. I know this is something that I'm continually growing, that Holy Spirit's continually teaching me to grow in. Does that resonate with you at all? See, just a couple of weeks ago, there was a situation at the gym that I work at where I had to cover a class because of family sickness. Now, I was, had booked in to train for this class, which meant if I coached the class, I wouldn't be able to take part in the class. And it was a gymnastics class, and I really wanted to work on my gymnastics. So there was a little wrestle within me that, like, I want to do the class, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like I should take the class. And, you know, I remember, remember it was early in the morning. It was like at 5.30 before the class or 5.15. And I felt Holy Spirit say to me, I felt God sort of plant the thought like, choose people over task. Exactly what I'm speaking on today. Choose people over task. And, you know, my, my boss at the gym was lovely. He was like, he was so aware of the fact that by taking the class, I would have to miss the class. And he was like, look, I know you'll have to miss out on your training. And I'm so sorry for that. But, you know, that sort of triggered in my mind the thought that, do you know what? People are more valuable than training. People are way more valuable than training. And that was a powerful moment for me because it was like, I actually don't mind that I'm missing on training now because I want to put people first. I want to value people above what I'd like to do or what are the tasks that I've got set in mind. So does this resonate with you, my friends? Do you sometimes find that you get caught up in doing the task or doing the job or something you've set your mind to do 
that you forget about the people. Or perhaps, like I said, it's more comfortable to stay where we are in our comfort zone and walk past people because we're not sure how to approach it socially or we're shy or uncertain. Perhaps you wanted to pursue change in choosing people over tasks, but you're not really sure how to. Hey, can I encourage you? Holy Spirit is the best teacher and guide. He's been teaching me. He had to teach me two weeks ago. I was saying yes to a gym class as opposed to doing training. And he will continue to teach you. So can I encourage you to ask him and allow him to grow you in this area? Can I also encourage you to allow others to spur you on in this, to encourage you, to challenge you in this? See, this is something I'm learning too, that sometimes others have to tell you. See, at our new people's lunch last week, you know, I was busy cutting pastries, ready to serve out for dessert. But there's some new people in the room and Pastor Bevan came over to me and he said, hey, why don't I cut the pastries and you go and talk to new people? And I'd love to say, I was like, yeah, no worries. But I was like, well, why don't you go and talk to new people? Was what I thought in my head. <laughs> Full honesty here, right? But do you know what? It was again, someone was challenging me, spurring me on. I was like, no, do you know what? There's a new lady here who's, who's sitting there at the new people's table. She's on her own. I need to go and talk to them. And so sometimes we need people to spur us, to spur us on, to challenge us in, in our tasks more, to challenge us to step out of our comfort zone in what we're used to doing and be bold and be courageous and choose people over task. So can I encourage you, loving people well involves choosing people over task. Like the Samaritan, he stopped what he was doing, stepped out of what was comfortable and served. So loving people well involves choosing people over tasks. Secondly, it entails learning to love people regardless of our differences. See, in verse 33, Jesus says the despised Samaritan came along. Interesting that Jesus would say that despised Samaritan. But to give you some context, Jesus said this because the Samaritans and the Jews actually did not like each other. There was a history of conflict between them. The, the Samaritan would have naturally gotten along with the, the Jewish man. So it was actually countercultural for that time that it was the Samaritan of all the people, it was the Samaritan that stopped to help. So what does this mean for you and I today? Loving well may involve loving people that we don't naturally get along with. It may be countercultural to what everyone else is doing. Someone who's a bit different, someone who behaves a bit differently at work, at school. It's often easy to love people like us. I think that's the truth. People who think like we are, people who behave like we do. But the challenge comes when someone behaves differently to us or thinks differently to us. Can we love them well too? Maybe people behave differently, act differently because of past hurts, brokenness, trauma that they're still working through. You know, we don't have to fix them. We don't have to say, oh, this is like, this is something you need to do but can we just sit with them? Can we just love them? Can we extend kindness to them? Can we extend grace to all? Hey, I'm preaching to myself as much as you. It is easier when you're loving people who are like you, right? But the challenge just rises. And maybe even as I'm speaking, you know, God's putting someone in your mind that you kind of know, or maybe they're a little bit hard to love, but I want to love them to learn to love them well. Can I encourage you? Step out in that. Ask Holy Spirit, Show me how to sit with them, to be kind, to extend grace. Kindness goes a long way. Loving people well goes a long way in showing them who Jesus is. In helping you do this, can I suggest you remember this? 
that every person has inherent value and worth because they are created in the image, in the image of God. They are his handiwork, his masterpiece. I'll say that again. Every person has inherent value and worth because they are created in the image of God. They are his masterpiece, his handiwork. In Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Friends, every time you look at someone, you are looking at God's masterpiece. You're looking at his creation. They have inherent value and worth. So let's look at people that way and love them well. So loving people well involves choosing people over tasks, learning to love people despite their differences. But thirdly, loving people also requires action and it comes at a cost. We go back to verse 34 of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Friends, the Samaritan man loved the man through his actions. He soothed the wounds with olive oil and wine. That olive oil and wine would be his own supplies for the journey. Wine to drink, olive oil for cooking, or to, sometimes they drank it or ate it as well. He bandaged his wounds. He didn't have a first aid kit on him. So those bandages would have come from perhaps his own clothing or his own supplies for the journey. He took him to an inn, cared for him, and paid for the care that he would need. That cost him time and money. So what can we learn from this? How does this apply to you and I today? Friends, there's action involved in loving others well. Outworking mission comes as a cost. It has a cost to us. Please hear my heart here, though, that helping others shouldn't come at the expense of ourselves, at our families, our loved ones, that we, that we sacrifice everyone else and everything to, to love others well. It's super important to have healthy boundaries in caring for others, to have good self-care practices, in caring for others. But loving others well and outworking of mission isn't something we can just talk about. It requires action. This is echoed in 1 John 3:18. Little children, believers, dear ones, let us not love merely in theory, with word or tongue, giving lip service to compassion, but in action and in truth, in practice and in sincerity because practical acts of love are more than words. Practical acts of love are more than words. So what could these practical acts of love look like? You can start small, writing a card for someone, inviting someone out to a coffee, sitting with someone you normally wouldn't with during church or after church, speaking words of life in a negative work culture, helping someone who's out of action with sickness, holding back, on saying that sarcastic comment, however warranted it may be. Serving in your local church or community group, bringing a positive action, attitude to your sports team. See, there's a cost in all of these, isn't there? Time, stepping out of your comfort zone, resources, growing in self-awareness, growing in self-control. Outworking, loving people well, outworking mission does have a cost. But can I encourage you as well, my friends, as much as there's a cost, there's a great many rewards. Colossians 3.14 says, Beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourself in unselfish love, 
which is the perfect bond of unity. For everything is bound together in agreement when one seeks the best for others. When we seek the best for others, when we love unselfishly, we build unity, we build connectedness. But also think about the joy that comes when you do something with someone you love well. Sure, we've all had that experience when you do something nice for someone, you write them a card or, you know, when you could respond in a negative way, you respond positively and you're like, yes, you give yourself a little cheer. Or when you spent something time doing something nice for someone or spent some time with someone, there's a real deep joy that you experience, a real fulfillment, a real excitement. When we love others well, we too experience joy and fulfillment. Gary Chapman in his book, The Love Languages, says, nothing has more potential for strengthening one's sense of well-being than effectively loving and being loved. My friends, God created you and I to love and to be loved. And you and I can walk in joy and fulfillment when we love others well. So at the end of this parable, Jesus asks the people who are speaking to in verse 36, now which of these three would you say was a neighbour to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy, the Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. And Jesus' words still echo today. Yes, now go and do the same. Friend, you and I can love others. We can love God. We can love others well. We continue to outwork this mission possible, loving God and loving people. We can continue on this journey of learning to follow Him well, of reflecting his character and growing more and more like him, but also drawing others unto him. So as I wrap up this morning, can I encourage you? And can I share with you and can I challenge you a little bit that this is a journey we're on together? This is a journey we're all a work in progress of. And it's funny how when you're preaching about it, it's the exact thing that you get challenged on, it's the exact thing you got to do, right? So this week there was a situation at work um, where a, a junior pharmacist that I work with created a bit of an awkward situation or created a bit of a difficult situation that I then had to try and manage. Once it was all sorted, I sort of spoke to them and discussed the situation. But based on their response and reflecting on how I spoke, I actually was like, oh, I think I was a little bit harsh towards them because um, their sort of face fell and they looked a little bit upset. And um, I was thinking about it the rest of the day and I was kept getting that nudge, you know, that little nudge, little thought from God that you probably need to say something. You didn't speak about that in the right way. And this was me, like full honesty. I was like, but what I said was true, God. Like it was true. Like it was true. I wasn't speaking something that was untrue. Like I had to deal with the situation. But this is what Holy Spirit said to me. What you said might have been true, but the way you say it wasn't speaking the truth in love as it talks about in Ephesians 4. And it was like, what I said was true, but the way I said it wasn't speaking the truth in love. And so I kept getting that little nudge that I need to speak to them. So at the end of the day, I spoke to them and I said, look, I'm really sorry for the way I spoke to you. And, you know, this was where my heart was and this is what the situation was. And we were able to work out a positive outcome for that person to deal with the situation in future. So it was a, it was a win for them. But, you know, more importantly, it was a win for me. Because in that moment, I learnt that loving others requires action. See, it requires the action of me actually going to her 
It required the action of me laying down my feelings that I felt justified. You know, what I was saying was true. I feel justified in that. It required action of actually having the conversation with the person, of speaking the truth in love. So my call to action for you, what might Holy Spirit be nudging you about? He's always talking to us, right? He's always speaking to us. What might He be encouraging you to grow in? What might He be challenging you in? Perhaps it's the way you speak or behave with your family, how you speak to your spouse, how you speak to your children, how you speak to your parents, how you behave with your siblings. Could He be growing you in how you treat people at work, the words you speak? Perhaps He's challenged you in how you engage others in church, staying in your comfort zone, or stepping out. Perhaps he's nudging you about how you speak to someone who is serving you in the supermarket or at a cafe. Perhaps he's challenging you about how you behave when you're driving in the car and someone cuts you off. I know I haven't always behaved well that way. Is there an area that he's challenging you to grow in your attitudes and your speech with your friends at school, with your work colleagues? Please hear my heart here, friends. It's not to be critical or harsh or point out flaws. We're all a work in progress. I'm on this journey as much as you. But as God nudges you, as Holy Spirit nudges you, His heart is for greater joy, greater freedom. It's not to condemn you. It's not to shame you. It's not to make you feel awful about yourself. God's heart is to grow you, to make you more like Him so you can reflect Jesus well so that we can see that mission fulfilled where we grow as His followers, but we also show others what it's like to follow Jesus. So they want that life. They say, hey, I see something different upon your life. I see this life that you live that is abundant, that it's full. It's not challenge-free. It's not problem-free, but there's something different about you. Friends, loving others is not up to a select few. It's not up to pastors or leaders. Like the board game at the start, we all have a part to play in the mission. We all have a part to play in the mission possible, loving God and loving people. So as I close, I want to encourage you to be brave. I'm going to pray for us. And if you know Holy Spirit is is saying something to you, something that He wants you to grow in, I'm going to invite you to stand. It's not to embarrass you. It's not to make you feel guilty or shameful. Like I said, we're all a work in progress. But Holy Spirit is here. And He's in the business of working in our hearts, strengthening us and empowering us. He's the one who guides us into all truth. He's the comforter, the counsellor, the advocate, the guide. So I'm standing with you. And let's pray together and declare that we can grow in this mission possible of loving God and loving others well. So if that's you, I invite you to stand as I pray for you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. 
Jesus, I thank you that you set the example for us, an example for us to follow. And now you show us the way. Holy Spirit, I just pray for each and every person here this morning. That as they respond to you, Holy Spirit, you guide them into truth as only you can. Your presence, your power, your ability come like a flood in this place. Flood people's lives. Give them strategy. Give them insight. Give them wisdom in how to handle these situations, in how to love others well and how to love you. Where there's questions, where there's uncertainties, you are all truth. You will guide them into truth. Where there's areas that I need to work on, that we need to work on, Holy Spirit, that you will be the teacher. You will be the counsellor. You will be the advocate. We thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that you are so committed to seeing us become more like you so we can represent you well and see others come to know you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Why don't you take your seats, guys? You know, part of developing disciples is giving people the opportunity to know God, to know Him. And perhaps you're in the room this morning and perhaps you say to me, yeah, I've been hearing all about this, what you say about, you know, knowing God, loving God, loving people. But in your heart of hearts, you actually look at that relationship with God and go, I'm actually not in a relationship with God at the moment. I've never asked God to, to come into my life or be in a relationship with Him. Or maybe I did once, but I know I've walked away from Him. My friend, God loves you so much. You know, that word agapeo, God loves you so dearly. He's unwilling to do without you. He's unwilling to do without you. He values your welfare so greatly. His heart is for you. His heart is not against you. He's not disappointed. He's not angry. He loves you so much. It's unconditional, unmerited, undeserved, yet freely given because of His love for you. And see, the journey of being in relationship with God starts with the prayer of declaring Him as Lord of your life. Romans 10.9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So my friend, if you're here today and you say to me, Hey, I want to say that prayer. I want to be in a relationship with God. Maybe for the first time, maybe as a recommitment. We as a church are going to pray together. So I'm going to ask everyone out of respect to close your eyes and bow your heads. And if you'd like to be included in that prayer, so I can know to include you in that prayer, so we can encourage you on this journey, not to embarrass you, not to point you out, not to single you out. Can I ask you to raise your hand as an indication to us to include you in this prayer? Let's pray together, church. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to die on the cross for me. I declare that you are Lord and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And I thank you because of that, I am saved. I choose to walk in relationship with you. Show me how to grow and walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that that message was a blessing to you. 
If you made a decision to follow Jesus, first of all, congratulations. We think that that is incredible. And secondly, if you go to gc.org.au forward slash first steps, our team has put together some resources as well as there's some information there for how you can get in contact with one of our pastors because we'd love to encourage you and connect you into the life of the church.